Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. So hello and welcome back to another episode. Here we are again, a week certainly flies. And today's episode is part two with Christo Lariche. As president of the Stellenbosch Cabernet Collective, he certainly knows a thing or two about this grape variety and how it's growing in South Africa's largest wine of origin. Stellenbosch. Now Cabernet Sauvignon has been growing here for over a hundred years and you will find more Cabernet Sauvignon in Stellenbosch than any of the other wine regions in South Africa. Stellenbosch has some of the oldest soils in the world making them incredibly infertile which can be a great thing for vine growing and it has a gorgeous Mediterranean climate with loads of cooling breezes coming in off of the coast but what makes it really exciting is that from site to site the terroir can really change and it's these microclimates that are allowing winemakers to really create wines of finesse elegance and place and I am happy to say that Christo is going to take me through three of these wines. Well, actually kind of four as I do sneak in Christo's wine from part one. I bring it back in <laughs> at the end to compare. You are going to go on a tour of the Stellenbosch wine region and understand the nuances and the unique terroirs of the different sub-regions of this fantastic Cabernet Sauvignon wine growing region. So perhaps pull up a wine map to follow along whilst you're listening and download the transcript so you can see the names of these sub-regions. So you will find that in my show notes. Grab yourself a glass of Stellenbosch Cabernet Sauvignon and enjoy. Right, I feel yeah. like now it is time that we talk about Stellenbosch as a wine growing region. Obviously in part one, you just touched on the fact that you were using different fruit from different parts in Stellenbosch and they all have something unique, but yeah, exactly. There's different hills, there's aspects, there's the obviously these sub-regions. So can you give me a little bit of an idea about these smaller regions within Stellenbosch? Um, I don't like the word little bit. Um, this is, um, I, I actually took um, Simon Tam. He's a Christie's um, wine auctioneer in, in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. Um, and he was here for a big, we, we flew him in to, to, to chair our, our big tasting that we did for Cape Wine in 2018. And I drove yeah. him around Stellenbosch for a day. And I think his ears fell off um, because I was basically <laughs> just talking about Stellenbosch the whole way in the car the whole time. I actually feel quite... quite um, yeah, I feel quite quite sad for the poor guy to have to sit in the car with me the whole day. But um, <laughs> I love Stellenbosch. I think it's got. Um, I've I've lived on the Semonsberg. I've lived in Jonkershoek Valley. Um, I now live on the foot of the Helderberg. Um, mm-hmm. I've lived in Stellenbosch town itself. So it's. I think it's important that you've got to come here and actually spend some time in and around Stellenbosch. Take two weeks through summer or whenever you want to come. And just feel how the area changes as you're driving around. Like, you've, okay. I would highly recommend like renting a cabriolet with an open top cabriolet, driving with oh. your hair, kind of blowing around the air. So you can yes, kind of, please. as you're driving through the area, you've got to feel how it changes. Because 
If you're in Stellenbosch town itself, the southeaster, we've got a synoptic breeze blowing through here, which is called the southeaster, mm-hmm. um, which it, it basically, that's our trade wind through the whole of summer. And that doesn't blow in the town of Stellenbosch. So you'll be walking around Stellenbosch and it'll be a balmy 38 degrees Celsius, okay. swelteringly hot. You will you can hardly breathe. And you walk around the corner and I literally talk about one kilometer um, moving in towards Yonkers Hook and it's suddenly the temperature drops to 28 and the wind is coming through at 35, 40 kilometers an hour as <laughs> the wind comes down that valley. Or you drive south towards um, False Bay mm-hmm. and you stand in those vineyards at around one o'clock and the air conditioner switches on and you get that sea breeze moving in from the southwest and it just, especially on the calm days when there's no wind, um, it actually cools down the vineyards where you want to put on a jersey at three, four o'clock in the afternoon, but you drive into Stellenbosch and it's still boiling hot. Or you move out and up onto the Simonsberg mountain and as you rise through the vineyards, you can feel the temperature drop as you move higher and higher up in altitude. So you've got these pockets throughout Stellenbosch, whether you're on the Bottleray Hills or in the Stellenbosch Kloof or up on the Simonsberg or standing up at Uvermira, which is at 500 meters above sea level and they make Chardonnay. Um, and you can harness all these different regions together and you can showcase Cabernet in such a diverse way, but there's mm. the scene that runs through it of this beautiful acidity, um, this edginess. We've got a tannin that, that's kind of distinctly Stellenbosch, but there's variation within depending on the region. Um, and it's it's just so much fun to just kind of explore and, and, and see if you can pick up these differences and nuances that all the different nooks and crannies of the region can give you. Awesome. Well, actually, we have three different wines that you're going to be representing today, of course, you know, yes. Diddlerish. So I'll go to the first one because then I'd like to see kind of, I know all three of them are for different areas. So we'll see how you can explain the different regions. So the first wine that I have is from Jordan, uh, the Long yes. Fuse Cabernet Sauvignon 2018. So where are these guys based actually in comparison to your winery, Lariche, actually? We should probably... Yeah, so we, we're sitting to the south of Stellenbosch, um, okay. basically right off False Bay Ocean. We're about eight kilometers as the crow flies from the ocean itself. Okay. Um, so we're on the foot of the Helderberg Mountain. Um, we don't have a classified ward where our winery is. We're still working mm-hmm. on that, so that'll come in the next couple of years. But um, mm-hmm. we're basically in the southern, most southern portion of Stellenbosch. Uh, comparative to Mierlist, I think would be a good wine to taste to give you an idea of what the area actually tastes okay, like. Okay, well, the, the history, yes. Yeah. Is Mierlast the oldest winery in Stellenbosch? I, I think Altu is actually one of the oldest. Um, okay. You don't have a lot of Altu in the UK because we drink 98% of it locally. Um, <laughs> they right, do 600,000 bottles, but we it also goes local. I think they export 2%. Okay. Um, wow, okay. But they're now under new ownership. But Mierlast, you definitely get it up in the UK. Um, yes. And they've obviously, I mean, they, the, they were one of the first Bordeaux blends to be made in, I think, 78. Yeah. Um, and they were old Stellenbosch farmers winery farm that was growing grapes for them. And then they turned into a bottling farm similar to Canoncorp. Um, yeah, okay. So, so that's one of the reasons these are big established producers, which, which you mm-hmm. see is they've got that history with Stellenbosch Farmers Winery. Rustenburg, funnily enough, was actually an independent producer. I, as far as my knowledge goes, they didn't deliver to the Farmers Winery. Um, and they were actually bottling under the Skoongezicht label before that. But um, in any case, 
The, so Jordan is again lying to the west of Stellenbosch. So they're lying between Stellenbosch and Cape Town. Um, okay. And that's where you find the Botleray Hills. Now, the Botleray Hills is a granitic outcrop that's sitting kind of to, yeah, to the west of Stellenbosch. They go mm -hmm. up to about 500 meters above sea level where the mountain range on the east of Stellenbosch is going up to 1,200 meters, just to kind of give you a height scale. So they're about halfway up. Ah, so in terms of plantings and altitude, you're saying 1,000 meters. That's, I mean, in terms of Europe, we, we'll ignore South America and, and Argentina here. In terms of Europe, like 1,200 meters is like pretty much our highest vineyards in Europe. Yeah, so, so, so we're not we're, planting we're, on 1,200 meters. Up there, it's pure sand. Um, okay. The wind blows 120 kilometers an hour, and it's just inhospitable. Um, no. okay. But so the highest vineyards in Stellenbosch are going to about 650, 600 meters above sea level. Okay. But you've got to consider that that is within between 5 to 15 kilometers as the crow flies from sea level, flat ocean. Okay. So it's yep. an extremely intense and fast rise to a very high height. Um, mm. And there's very few other regions. I don't think there's another region in the world that has such a quick climb from sea level up to, to mountain, kind of mid-slope mid mountains. Um, mm. And I think this is one of the unique things about Stellenbosch and, and what makes us, gives us such, a, that's such an amazing terroir to work with. But yeah, so Botleray Hills, um, Jordan, they're sitting on the southern slopes of the Botleray Hills. So this is really one of the coolest regions in Stellenbosch um, for reason being that they sit right in the face of, of the sea breeze. So they're far enough from the ocean that the ocean itself doesn't regulate their temperature as what where we are. We'll still, we won't as, have as cold nights where there where Jordan is sitting, they're just a little bit further away. Um, the land cools down, but you get this afternoon breeze coming in. So you'll know that Jordan obviously doing great Chardonnays as well. Um, a lot of the young guys are making some really good Shenans coming out of that area. I know Barrera mm -hmm. Rots does some great Cab Franc as well. Um, so the sites that work for Cab there are those that are typically north facing or are tucked away out of that sea breeze. And this, this block from Jordan is actually coming from a vineyard that's right next to the cellar. And the cellar is dipped into the Stellenbosch Kloof. So it's actually, Jordan as a farm um, does quite a few cold sites, but their cab site is, is a little bit tucked away. And you okay. find that on the wine where you'll always see with the Jordan, a little bit more red fruit coming through, which you also see on this wine. Um, it's got a lovely acidic tension to it, but there's this brightness and a freshness about the wines which is really delicious and it gives the wine good ageability as well. So they take mm. a long time to ripen. Uh, they pick a little bit later in the season, um, but it does give you this lovely bright fruited kind of style in the warmer vintage. In the, in the cold vintages, you'll find a little bit more herbaceousness coming through. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you've got to watch your vintages as well, but it's, it, you can get that lovely freshness on these wines. Now, it's interesting you say that. So if I was to compare that to, obviously, people, if you have not listened to part one, make sure you do so you can listen to me talking about La Riche Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. But so your one, your one was not huge. It wasn't a monster. It wasn't bold, but it was mm. certainly concentrated. I find with Jordan, and maybe this is to do with the granitic soils. Maybe this is to do with the slightly larger diurnals and the colder nights. But 
I find this slightly more savoury, a little bit more yes. kind of cigar box, tobacco, a little bit more maybe pencil shavings, more of a nod towards Bordeaux if you were trying to. But still, again, lots of fruit. I wouldn't, it's not as earthy as I would, ex- or as dry as I would expect mm. in Bordeaux. But it's interesting just already thinking about tasting some different Cabernet Sauvignon from Stellenbosch and already picking up those differences. Um, yeah, so so if you taste Jordan, um, those southern slopes of the of the of the Bottleray, so well Polkadry is is really the ward region, um, mm-hmm. and you compare that with the Banghuk. Now the Banghuk is another region. Um, Del there's too many regions. Too many yeah. regions. <laughs> Del Air. Well, the, I mean, if you think about Bordeaux, there's a huge yes, amount of regions of there. So of course, it's, of it's course. about just come and explore, and it will make a lot more sense. But um, okay, yeah. so the Bamuk Valley has also got that little bit of a coolness feel to it. Um, mm. in, in their style of wines. And you definitely get a little bit more of that cigar box, tomato leaf character mm. coming through. Um, and as with Bordeaux, you get a little bit more of that vintage variation coming through as well. So Bordeaux yeah. obviously sitting on the verge of where Cabernet ripens. And in a bad year, as we knew, 13, 12, it's, the wines are almost undrinkable. But in yeah. the warm years, the wines are beautiful and you get a lot more of that warmth and that fruit coming through. Mm. So depending on where you are in Stellenbosch, you do also get that variation playing through. And typically with, with these Jordans and the wineries in those regions, um, you do get that coolness and that tension that does sit on the wines. Mm, can't help but keep on comparing to some of the others, but I should, I'm, I'm rushing ahead. Now, and I agree with you, there's that kind of almost like red plums. I get a little bit mm. of cassis and a little bit of prune, so I'm still getting darker fruits, but there's also playing Definitely. in a little bit of maybe some blueberries and violets just in the background. So it's got a, a whole array of kind of different fruits, but I think that that's because there is this kind of restraint. I just think if people would just wanted to have a Cabernet Sauvignon that's not so fruit driven, certainly in this vintage, I think Jordan's done pretty good with that. So that's interesting. And you said about granitic soils where they are, which is by the Bottleray and the Polka Dry Hills. But coming mm. obviously back down south where you are, where Mirlust is, down in the south, much closer to False Bay. What is what are the soils like typically there in comparison? So so the majority of Stellenbosch is on granitic soil. That's kind oh, of okay. our major. Um, okay. But we've also got seams and kind of these tongues of what we call Tigerberg shale um, that comes Ooh, okay. through Stellenbosch. So, yeah. but I mean, we've got extremely old soils here. So when you talk about the origin of the soil and what the soil actually looks like in front of you, it often is extremely difficult to assess what you're actually working with. So whether you're yeah. working with a granitic soil or a shale soil is often quite tricky to tell. Um, yeah. But where we are um, a little bit dough on the slope now, do consider that the, 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 my reserve is, has got Simonsburg, Jonkershoek, as well as where my winery is based, wine going in there. So it, it's, mm. you can't say it's not a single vineyard, so you're not going to get that pinpoint um, kind of identity. But sure. where we are, we usually work with a little bit more duplex soils. Now, these are older soils where the clay has migrated down. Um, these soils were typically here yeah, before the mountains popped up. And you get a lot of coffee stone, gravel in the topsoil, a little bit more loamy. They're poorer soils um, mm. with a thick clay bank sitting underneath, probably from anything from like, a, like 80 centimeters or deeper. Where with Jordan, you've got your more recently weathered granite. Um, and these okay. soils are typically much deeper. They can go up to four, five, six meters. They work well with dry land farming. Um, where Jordan is, they get a little bit less rainfall than what the areas on the mountain get. The mountain gets up to 120 millimeters, 
where, where kind of our winery is in Jordan is we get around 600 to 700 millimeters annually. So you can okay. see the rain doubles mm. as you get close to the mountain slope. Um, so that, that also plays an influence. But yeah, so the Botleray, upper slopes of the Botleray have got these, these uh, deep gra gra um, granitic soils. But mm. as you move to the lower slopes, you start to see that duplex soil coming in again. So someone once described it, it's like a pimple coming out of the landscape. <laughs> and the top of the pimple is this more recently weathered granite. And yeah. where down the side and the bottom, the lower areas is all the old skin. And that's kind of the soils we work with is that more mm -hmm. duplex soil that's sitting at the bottom. Intriguing. Love it. Right. So then let's compare. So the next wine that I have is the Warwick Estate, the yes. Blue Lady. Um, this is 2017. So we're going a vintage mm -hmm. before. Yeah. Where is the Warwick Estate situated? So Warwick is sitting to the north of Stellenbosch. Um, it's probably one of the most northern um, farms in the region. So mm. it's sitting on the, on the kind of... Um, Cape Town side of the Simonsburg mountain. So the Simonsburg mountain is our northern boundary, really, of, of Stellenbosch. It's this almost this freestanding yeah. um, colossus of a mountain that go, also goes up to 1,000 meters. Um, and Stellenbosch owns the southern slopes of this mountain. Paul will obviously have the northern slopes of the mountain. Um, yeah. And as you move on the mountain from east to west it becomes warmer so on the western on the eastern side you've got Tukara, Thelema um, and and kind of those two wineries which is stylistically that slightly cooler more herbaceousness and then you move over to Rustenburg and then you move over onto Kanonkop, Mirati, um, Dalheim and then Warwick, um, Lifland, um, sitting on the western side and as mm -hmm. you're moving west it gets a little bit warmer so specifically where warwick is they don't get as much influence from that sea breeze you're now sitting at about 20 kilometers away from the ocean um they do are they are a little bit further up the slope but not that high so about two to three hundred meters above sea level um and they've also got a little bit more of that deep red soils that you would have similar to what jordan would have um that they're working on so those deep red soils have got slightly more vigor. So we also where Warwick is situated. So you often see that these soils will um, also, because they're so deep, they're a little bit cooler. So they ripen, they will bud later in the season and they'll mm. ripen later in the season. So these farms will be picking often up into, into April. Um, so quite late ripening farms. And depending where you are on the mountain, you'll go from cooler to slightly warmer um, sites. But I mean, we know the, the, the quality of Warwick and Kanonkop which are sitting lower down on the slopes and they've they've got this lovely warmth to them but there's a linearity about this tannin structure on these wines which is for me typical Simonsburg so you mm. often see Merlot Cab Franc being incorporated which gives you a little bit more of that kind of width in the mid palate I, I was waiting because you're describing this kind of slightly more linear style but Actually, out of the three wines, obviously the one we tried in part one and then obviously Jordan, mm. this is the roundest for me. This is the yeah. weightiest of all. But that's that's also something that is stylistic to Warwick as well. They do like okay. going a little bit bigger, more bolder, a little bit riper in style. Mm -hmm. um, and But it's also what works in that little nook of Stellenbosch and the way that they go about about making their wines as well. Delicious. I mean, this is the thing, you know, all of these are really good examples of fruit-driven, 
Cabernet Sauvignon with balance, with tannins that aren't overpowering, with, I mean, this, this, the oak here seems to be pretty restrained. It seems very much in the background. I imagine it's just seen a very small amount. This is, this probably has the most kind of cassis blackberry notes of the three yes. so far, just for me, with a bit of forest floor in there. Even maybe, uh, yeah, maybe a bit of herbaceousness like thyme, but it, mm -hmm. for me it's more about just the roundness and the, the softness of the fruit. But it's, I mean, it's hard to, they're all, they're all great, which is... Which is good, which says, says good things for Stellenbosch, right? It, it does, but it makes it tricky to understand. It's not, it's not a region where you can just walk in and say, that is a Stellenbosch Cabernet. It's all no. big, it's all powerful. You've it's got not. these nuances and you've got mm -hmm. these different kind of influences that are coming through in the region. It's, that's part of our diversity, which is yep. our blessing and our curse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, anyone who wants to try, I've just realized, I didn't say about the first one, both of these wines, both the Warwick Estate and the Jordan, the Long Fuse, are both from winedirect.co.uk, so that's perfect. The Jordan, the one before, was 17.95, and this is 24.95, so there we go. So if you prefer a slightly more savory style, go for that one. If you prefer the slightly rounder style, go with the, with the Warwick Estate. Well, maybe you can tell me, is there a defining feature for Cab Sav from Stellenbosch? Is there something? Is it that specific, more linear tannin? Eesh. Am I asking it's, a question that can't be answered? It's, it's hard to say. Obviously, if I give you a flight of 30 cab Stellenbosch cabs, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. Where not, should we do that? <laughs> it's not every day that we do that. Um, I know Greg Sherwood is sitting there with a whole collection, um, which he'll be doing quite soon for us. But um, as soon as we can fly, we will come to the UK and we'll do you a nice big, big okay. Stellenbosch Cabernet tasting, okay. which I if think I have is, to. That's, that's high on our radar. Um, okay. But <laughs> the, I think the things one can look out for when you're looking at Stellenbosch is you will find a herbaceous seam running through most of them, not all of them. Mm, um, yeah which is for me a positive and that's a that's a freshness that and that's for me kind of that tip of the head towards your more bordelais style um yeah then you will find a good acidity sitting on these wines um we do have a nice natural acidity coming through on the wines if the winemakers haven't gone too ripe which yep. we used to do that in the 2000s we have completely moved away from that um and i think the guys are making much better wines at the moment um then in terms of tannin structure it's a little bit more grippy. We don't have as fine chalky tannin as what you would describe Napa, but mm -hmm. we don't have as as intense and powerful tannins as what you'll see in Bordeaux. Yes, ours, absolutely. Yeah, ours, I would almost describe it as a little bit more gritty, mm -hmm. maybe slightly more wild, but that's kind of, I mean, we are in Africa, so that's that's kind of part <laughs> of our character. Yeah. Um, but uh, wild is a different word, but it's, it's kind of a little bit more gritty, um, yeah, so, and I think there's, there's a lovely intensity to it as well, but it can also be that lovely juiciness that sits there. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the, the calling cards for Stellenbosch is we're sitting on that new world, old world balance. Yeah. And we get these lovely, prompt, like powerful tannin structures that are there, but there's a juiciness to them as well. Um, mm -hmm. And that's that coating of warm fruit because of our sunshine, our climate yeah. that we're getting. Um, you've got this old world um savoriness that can be kind of complemented by a new world fruit and it's that's that's really what i love about the cabs that we're doing from our region do you know it's so funny isn't it that you said the best way to describe it is this mix between in the middle of new world and old world and 
that's actually just for me how I describe South Africa in general as a wine producing country. Mm. You know, I always say to people like, it was actually in the 1600s when you first got your grapes and started doing really well and fantastic things. And when you think about the rest of the new world, it's actually really only in the 1800s when other countries started taking off and doing things. So it is true. it's almost like the style you've described is almost just the way you are as a country for producing wine. You're in the middle no, somewhere. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, we were we were making wine long before Australia turned into a prison. So mm. the I think what the, the influences that have come over our wines as well. I mean, we in mm. the 80s a lot of our winemakers studied at Geisenheim. I think today you're seeing a little bit more influence. Well, we're seeing two schools of influence. The one is coming out of Montpellier, which is actually giving a lot of okay. bursaries to our students, ah. uh, winemaking students. And the other side is we're getting a lot of influence coming in from the American side with people like Andrea Malinu coming in, Samantha O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our winemakers going to Napa and, and America and actually working there because the language barrier is there and they pay well. So it's it's been, you've seen a lot of our winemakers traveling to Napa. So it's, you've got these two influences, but they'll go to Napa and then from Napa, they'll flip over and they'll go and do a harvest at a natural producer in, <laughs> in Spain somewhere. Or it's, or it's this complete like emphasis of two different, different yeah. kinds uh-huh. of, of influence and training schools that you're working with. And I think that's, that's part of this amalgamation. I mean, they call us the rainbow nation. And I think that's part of what, what really is South Africa. And then just looking at these two wines that you're drinking now, I mean, Gary Jordan has just bought a farm in England, um, Marshall, and he's actually busy developing a a farm on on your coastline, but he's much more Bordeaux influenced, where Warwick is owned by Americans, um, and their style was also set when it was still under the the Radcliffe family with the influence of Zalma Long and Phil Freeze, which is obviously Mm -hmm. they're two of the heroes of coming off um, Opus One viticulture and the development mm-hmm. of the Tucalon vineyards, etc. So the Warwick is much more influenced by an American palette where your Jordan, I would say, is much closer to your Bordelais palette coming in. So spot on from what I, my tasting notes, absolutely. Yeah, and so you've got this influence. We've obviously got Glen Ellie that's owned by Madame May de Lancashire, ex um, Chateau Lyon, yes. coming off Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, uh, my dad having traveled to Bordeaux much more, I mean, America wasn't even on the map and, and when, he was, when he was kind of starting his career, he was very good friends, friends with Paul Pantelier from Margot. Um, and so you've got these two schools of influence working on each other with a seam of Geisenheim through the 80s and a lot of Germans, um, uh, Gunter Brüssel, um, one of the first guys to work through the Stell, etc. So it's, it's been a very interesting melting pot of mm. influences. And, and you see that in our wines. And I think that makes it a bit muddling. So, but great history, though. Yeah, understanding what is, what is the history of a property and the style of a property versus the style of the the, the award that they're in, if you're on yeah. Simonsburg or, or Helderberg, um, is part of understanding why the wines that you're tasting taste the way they taste. And it. it's mm-hmm. you've got to kind of, once again, come here and come and travel and come and taste and, and, and we'll show you and we'll tell you. You don't need to ask me twice. Chris, I'm coming. <laughs> I've asked you three I, times already. I, I, to be fair, you have and I'm coming. <laughs> no, I definitely will when I get the opportunity. Now... Let's finish off with the last one so then we can have a... Well, you've already kind of concluded, but the last wine that I have is the 21 Gables 
Cabernet Sauvignon. I believe I think it's 2018 as well. Let me grab the bottle. 2018, yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. from Spear. Right. Oh, these bottles. They're not the lightest bottles in the world, but hey, I do quite like to feel like I'm pouring something when these are premium wines. So, um, yeah, so to be honest, if we talk about sustainability, as, as we were talking the other week, that's a whole other conversation. And I know that's very that's, important to you all. It's such an important topic of conversation. And it's in South Africa, it's such a difficult one to solve because we've got a monopoly on glass coming from mm. Console Glass, who we have no love for the company. Sorry, I just have said that on, <laughs> on public air. Um, and then all the electricity for their glass melting is coming from coal-fired power plants. So mm. 90% of our power is coming of the dirtiest electricity in the world. So even if we go lightweight, it's still, it's still got a lighter carbon footprint to import from France, which is working yeah. off nuclear. So it's, it's this insane understanding of if we import a bottle from Europe, it's got a lower carbon footprint than what we produce it locally. So we've got to figure this out in South Africa and we're busy working on it. And we definitely yeah. also committed to this cause. Um, one of the big ones is convincing our government to step away from coal. But that's a, that's a little project on its own. Slowly, slowly, step by step, yeah. right? Step by step. I appreciate that, you know, there are more premium bottles in every country in the world have heavier exactly. bottles. That is the way it is because people want to feel like they've got something special. Sadly, it sells. And it does, of course. It's marketing as well, You don't want to make decisions it? based on mm. that, but it's, 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 it's yeah. It's part it's of terrible, it. but it yeah, works no. part of it, unfortunately. Don't worry, we put that conversation to the side. So I'm smelling this straight away. This is the most smoky. I'm getting like incense sticks. Um, mm. it's, it's got this really sweet, smoky nature and like kind of cigar box, chalky, pencil yep. shavings. It's actually the most different. So where are Spear based? So Spear is actually a, quite a large producer. Um, you might see their wines throughout the UK as well. Mm -hmm. They're one of the biggest in Stellenbosch. They work with a range of wines, but they've got an absolutely amazing team that they work with. Yes. Um, great winemakers working under them. Um, one of the winemakers actually was with me in, uh, in Napa Valley um, in the season I was there, and she's now doing their organic range. But um, okay. this specific um, wine is coming off the Helderberg. So they own oh, okay. a piece of vineyard on the Helderberg mountain. It's the most southern property on the mountain, but it's facing north. And um, I, I like using this wine because it's such a great expression of the Helderberg. Now, mm. the, the spear wines are bigger, they're bolder, um, but that is also the character of the Helderberg. So as, as what you have on the Simonsburg mountain moving west, east to west, um, you've got a change in style. You've got the same on the Helderberg mountain um, where you're moving north to south. So on the northern side, you've got farms like Kiermont, uh, De Trafford, uh, Waterford, where they're working with a little bit more, there's a little bit more shale intermixed with their decomposed granite. Yeah. Um, and they've got a little bit less vigor. Um, and it's, it's just, they make a little bit lighter wine. So if you taste the Cabernets from that side, they're not as intense, but as you come around the corner, you go through past Rist and Freda and Ernie Els, Guardian Peak, um, and then coming to this property of Spears. And there's, there's a lot more intensity and power. And that's for me, the Helderberg. It's, it's a Southern area in Stellenbosch. So it gets that cooling sea breeze, but it's North facing slopes. Mm -hmm. So they get a lot of sunshine, a lot of intensity coming through. And you see that in the wines where if you work with a fruit, yeah, they've got amazing acidity, but at the same time, unbelievable intensity and power. And it's, it's one of the beauties of this region, but you've got to appreciate that these wines are 
intense, they're big, they're beautiful, but there's this Greek character with this herbaceousness that mm -hmm. runs underneath, and that provides a freshness. And as I mentioned earlier, there's this acidity that sits on this mountain, which, which provides this, this, this lovely concentration with a refreshing scene. And I think that, in terms of Cabernet, is so important. If you don't have enough acidity on your cabs, they just become dry and heavy and unpleasant. And I mean, wine is, should be a refreshing drink in the end of the day. So getting that balance right is, is what for me is so beautiful about, about the Helderberg. And with these lovely, gritty, um, big tannin structures that are sitting on the wine, but coated in beautiful black fruits, um, off, often olive tapenade and with a savory undertone. It kind of sounds a bit contradictory, but it's, it, no. it's there. And actually, with this one, as I said to you, like I've got this more incense sticks and this cigar mm. box on the nose, but on the palate, this olive tapenade, it's because it's like, it's giving you this like herbaceous, but perfume all at the same time, mixing with yeah. some blackberries and mulberries. And you said it's quite big. And there is um, a weightiness to this wine, but actually it's very energetic. Yes. I think it tricks you with the acidity and with the freshness, I feel like it's lighter than it actually is. It's very pretty. Mm. Actually, this is the, the prettiest. So I would say um, of the three that we've tasted today, Jordan is the most um, Bordeaux in style. Warwick is the biggest, most Napa style, as you've said. And this is the most perfumed in style, but all again, mm. and you are completely right. I haven't mentioned acidity on anything because they've all been high and my mouth is water. So it's just kind of taken it for granted. But yes, I agree with you. Pretty uh, pronounced tannins. Mm. And I feel like I need to go back to yours. Let's I, let's bring this back into the episode. Um, and so I can compare because I've compared those three, but this one I started. Mm. Now going back, do you know what? Going back to yours, yours is the most concentrated of fruit. Mm. Yours and actually... Okay, I don't, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I think it sits <laughs> in between being Napa and Bordeaux. But that's that's exactly where I want the wine to sit. Okay, so, as yay! I said, we, so it's good. We, I was scared we, we for a second. We, we try and showcase Stellenbosch, and Stellenbosch is exactly that. It sits between these, these mm. two kind of uh, internationally acclaimed Cabernet powerhouses, but... I mean, Stellenbosch is there and we, 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 yeah. we part of this. Um, we just yeah. haven't told our story much. Um, and it's, it's, it's the beauty of what the region is. But in South Africa, we drink it all ourselves. So we <laughs> haven't exported enough of the quality stuff that we have here because we like drinking it so much. Well, yeah. I mean, you said, uh, so we, we, we've talked about Cabernet Sauvignon. Quite clearly, you are trying to promote as a wine region, Cabernet Sauvignon, and you've set up the, the Stellenbosch Cabernet Collective. So so why? Do, you, do the winemakers in this region feel like actually Cabernet Sauvignon is where you need to head, where you need to lead with? So it's the most planted grape in Stellenbosch. Um, yeah. So if you want to taste the terroir of Stellenbosch, Cabernet is the one that's going to do it for you because okay. you can find those individual expressions from all over the region. But it also have the, has the history. It's got the quality. It's been producing the most award-winning wines that we have in South Africa for over 30 or 40 years, um, locally and internationally. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, for me, really the, the calling card of Stellenbosch. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean Stellenbosch doesn't have absolutely amazing Chardonnays 
Shenan's, um, some beautiful um, Shiraz is coming out through it as well. And that's because of this diversity of regions that we've spoken about. But if you want to have a grape or a cultivar that can showcase Stellenbosch, um, Cabernet really is that variety to do it. But it's also got the ability to handle handle the, the warmer climate. So if we have climate change coming in, it's okay, got a thick yeah. skin. It's got that ability to, to handle it. We've got the deep red soils that, that have got that water retention on them. Um, we've got the natural rainfall as well. So it's, Stellenbosch really does have all the elements that we need to produce great Cabernet. And if you look within a South African context at the, the now the platter results that came out last week, of the 18 five-star Cabernets that were handed out, 15 were from Stellenbosch. So mm. you really, it's, it's the one variety within a South African context where Cabernet has, has picked Stellenbosch as its home. Um, and I think Stellenbosch is very happy to have it. So the Stellenbosch Cabernet Collective, is this just to really promote Cabernet Sauvignon so that the rest of us around the world can actually start paying attention and understand that this is what you're doing? Is that the, the point? Yes, exactly. So look, it's, it's, uh, the collective is open. Anybody can who wants to get involved can get involved. You've obviously got to pay your fees to be joining up, but it's, mm -hmm. um, we, we're not a country that has any kind of government support or government marketing bodies really yeah. because there's just mm -hmm. no support coming from them. So we've got to do it ourselves. Um, but I think South Africans are, we just, we're a nation of people that don't like talking about ourselves. So we don't tell our own story, unlike the Americans. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's something that we are extremely bad at is telling people how God, just what, How what, good our, you what are. our place is about <laughs> and it's um i'm glad you said it, that i don't have to say it um so it's really true. what we're doing what we're doing as a collective is just taking taking the story of stellenbosch and the story of stellenbosch cabernet and we're just starting to tell people about it which is a very easy thing to do because it's a great story um and we're just putting it out there in a cohesive um cohesive message and we've, for the first time, and it's actually mind-boggling that it's never been done, but we've, we've asked um, Kathy Van Sale, who's one of our local MWs, to just compile a document that describes Stellenbosch, the region, the soils, the winds, okay. and how it influences Cabernet. And this has never been done. So it's, it's these good. obvious things. The information yeah. is all there. We've done all the research, but we've just never compiled it into a book and given it to somebody. Where, That's exciting, yeah, I mean, though. How many books have you read on Bordeaux or mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the other regions in the world, but it doesn't exist about about our wines because well, we just don't tell our stories. And it's like when I say to you, oh my God, too many regions. And you're like, well, Bordeaux has regions, but we're used to the understanding that there's Pouillac and, you know, there's Margot. We know yeah. that. But when we think about Stellenbosch, that's just, that's the region, full stop. Yeah. And, and we're not, and Stellenbosch we're not used to it. Stellenbosch is the only region in South Africa and that's like South Africa is seen as a whole where we very much, we so diverse within Absolutely. short distances that we can do Pinot's, within 15 minutes drive from Stellenbosch as you mm. get into Elgin. It's literally just mm. going over the pass and the t climate goes from winter to almost more summer rainfall. Um, yeah. Well, not summer rainfall, but they get a lot of rain in summer where yeah. Stellenbosch doesn't because of these mountains which I've spoken about. Mm. I mean, that's it's exciting. And at least now there's that big push for people to understand. So what do you think is the future? To finish off, what is the future for Stellenbosch? Uh -oh. Oh, it's extremely <laughs> bright. Um, Good, I like I, I that. Think, 
I think anybody who hasn't heard that South Africa is, is exciting um, hasn't been in the wine trade or in the wine kind of listening to any wine writers over the last 10 years. We've mm -hmm. had this amazing group of young guys who are learning from the old guys. And I think that's one of the major things in Stellenbosch, which I love is that I can go walk up to my dad or um, Neil Ellis or um, the late Dampy Bailey and, and, and Kevin Arnold, and I can chat to them about their experience of 40 years of winemaking in Stellenbosch at multiple properties. And they can tell me about their they um, kind of teachers who have been coming from the 50s. And, and that's something which is, is within a South African context quite unique to Stellenbosch. We've got that history, we've got the wines backdating, and now you've got this young generation that are being kind of inspired, inspired by this movement in South Africa, but also have done their own travels and they love the area and the region. And they're putting their own signature on the wines, um, making them, I think, better and and more detailed and more focused and more vineyard focused than what we've ever been before. And I think it's, well, it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when will our wines be seen with the best fine wines in the world, because that's really where, where Stellenbosch should be positioned. I love it. Christo, you have been so amazing at talking about yourself, your story, your winery, and you've been so gracious as to talk about these other wineries in such a beautiful, interesting fashion. And if all the other winemakers are as interesting and as informative as you, then I assume that this future that you're expecting will come about much faster. So thank you for your time. Pleasure, yeah, and thank you, thank you for having me on the show. It's been it's been great fun um, chatting about Stellenbosch and everything well, about it. I will enjoy drinking my Cabernet Sauvignons and look forward to trying another thirty to fully define <laughs> <laughs> what Cabernet Sauvignon is from Stellenbosch. So please come across to the UK soon. I'm coming to you when I can, and um, we'll drink some Cab Sav together. Great, perfect. It was lovely. Thank being you. On the show. Have a lovely, lovely day. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. You can see that Christo is very keen to have us all come out and visit him. So with more than 150 wineries, part of the Stellenbosch wine route, I think we will all have a lot of work to do here. So whilst you're absorbing all that new information, I shall leave you with a wine quote. So with the nod to the last episode where Christo was talking about the ageability of Cabernet Sauvignon, I probably should have done it the other way around and had the quote then. <laughs> I found one from Francis Bacon. So he was a English philosopher and was the Lord Chancellor back in the 1600s. And he said, Age appears best in four things. Old wood to burn, old wine to drink, old friends to trust, and old authors to read. So at the very least, grab some friends, sit around a fireplace, especially if you're in England right now, it is bloody freezing, and grab yourself a beautifully aged bottle of Stellenbosch Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, after my episode on extreme vineyards last year, several of you came back and said you did like the idea of maybe looking at the oldest wineries in the world. And so next week, 
That is exactly what we are going to do. So thank you as ever for tuning in, for listening, for liking the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't and share this with your wine-loving friends. Leave me a comment if you can, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts as, like I say, it makes the podcast more discoverable. Thank you all for being here. I am raising my glass of Cabernet Sauvignon from Stellenbosch. And until next week... Cheers to you.